This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, that car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm joined by my friends and my foes, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ari Fruz, the man with the news. Say hello, fellas. Hello. Slamat. <laughs> Daniel, don't you wonder which one of us is the friend and the foe? <laughs> I know I'm the foe. I just, <laughs> know, I just thought I mixed it up a little bit. Anyway, as usual, a show in three parts. Uh, we've got some news up front, a bit of a car review in the middle, and some highlights towards the end of the show. So, um, Arif, why don't you kick it off and uh, give us some news? Last week, our show seemed to have resonated with quite a lot of people because all of us were talking about uh, how annoying it was to try and renew our road tax and driver's license these days because of the MCO and you have to do this reservation thing and everything. Uh, And Daniel predicted a very, very, very accurate prediction as the you heard it here first sort of thing. (laughs) I'm not saying anything. (laughs) He predicted that there will be an extension for the road tax and renewal of driver's license and it would be at the end of the year, December 31st. So he got that completely correct. wonder how many other things he got correct as well. <laughs> every week I get something correct. Like, oh, please. Yeah. please. Oh, okay, maybe every <laughs> A few words of wisdom as usual. Mm. So uh, the government announced that doors will be swinging open for JPGA and post offices and at full capacity as well, if I'm not mistaken. No longer a need to reserve a slot to renew your road tax and driver's license. So we expect, I guess, the backlog to clear up. Uh, Also, some other news, very interesting news for people like Richard and Daniel's son who are getting their licenses. Apparently... Driving schools are starting to reopen again, right? Yes, they are. But uh, unfortunately, my son's school is not open yet. We just messaged them this morning. Uh, they said, hold on first. So I think they have to work out a lot of things to get it open. You know, you, you just can't take out the padlock and say, yep, I'm open, you know? You heard it here first. Yes, you heard it here first. <laughs> uh, the only problem I've got is that I haven't been double vaxxed yet. Um, so I can't go out and do my driving lessons just yet. Mm. Oh. So that won't be happening until sometime mid-October. People out there, you're still safe. Richard is not on the road. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the vote of confidence, my friend. No worries. There was some big uh, non-car news, obviously, with regards to the SOPs, because, uh, you know, the cinemas, the entertainment industry and the filming industry is back open already. Uh, But apparently some people have been taking this as a note that uh, we can have our own version of car entertainment by driving out station. Mm. We can't do that at all yet, right? Mm. No, you cannot. You, I mean, you, you can within your state, but okay, like Slango is a huge state. You know, Johor is a huge state. You know, I'm giving you examples. But, you know, please, only if it's necessary. I know there's a lot of pent-up, raging fuel enthusiasts out there. And you just want to, you know, fill up your tank and just do something crazy. But this story about, you know, people in, you know, Uluyam still speeding up and down. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous, man. That's not a racetrack. It, it's, it's like lockdown revenge, right? Yes. And the thing is, you see, along that road, I mean, people have been using that stretch for, for racing and all kinds of funny things over the years. We've seen so many accidents. There are a lot of small villages along the road. There are a lot of uh, Orang Asli also who live along that, that stretch who cross over, they have kids and all that. And, you know, you you could you could have injured one of them and nobody will know because you're, you're zooming past at 200 kilometers an hour. Mm. You know, so I'm, I'm so happy that the police have done something about this. I hope they continue to do it 
and you know even put up cameras to catch these people. Ulu Selangor police will be setting up a roadblock this weekend mm. just in anticipation of people going up and down that road and yes, yes. Wow. causing some stress to the locals. Uh, but, you know, without promoting reckless driving, our cars have been sitting at home for so long. We just kind of want to, you know, rev the car up legally. Drive, drive it around the block, Arif. Just, just drive it around the block. <laughs> but, or drive it know, around three blocks, you know. But, or you know, three blocks, yeah. Or drive it around the same block three times. Or drive it to Richard's house. Give him something to eat and then drive it home. That, that's a good idea. Mm. Mm. Will I get some delivery fees and tips for that as well, Richard? He's helping you by allowing you to drive to his house and send durian. <laughs> yeah. Durian season is over, guys. <laughs> durian season is never over in Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess one thing that I've been confused about with the rules especially, I wonder if you guys know, are we allowed to go past 10 kilometers now? You are. You are allowed to go past 10 kilometers I think on some highways, they do have roadblocks. Even with, within Slango, I know like, like one of my staff, they were doing a recce for a photo shoot and they were stopped and said, you know, you're, you're almost 40 kilometers. Because like I said, Slango is very big, right? Yeah. They said, you know, you're 40 kilometers outside your, your, your place. And you say, yeah, but common sense, lah, why do you need to come so far, you know? Yeah. I mean, Sakinchan is technically Slango. Exactly, exactly. Kuala Slango is Slango, you know? Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, that's that's all the news that was reported this week. There, there were a lot of other little bits of news, but none worth mentioning other than the fact that, you know, these extensions are, are for the road tax driver's license are happening. Yes. But just continuing on a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago about barn fines, and we've been speaking recently about Japanese cars and JDMs. You have a point to make, Daniel. It was just like coincidence because some people were coming and telling me, oh, you know, JDM cars, the prices are going up and this and that. So, you know, I think my, I can get better value for my car. And then, you know, the joker is driving a Nissan Almera. You know? <laughs> Another friend of mine was talking about, you know, his son's old Proton Vira. He said, hey, you know, if I put some Mitsubishi badges on it, huh, you think what, I can call JDM. Then I realized that some car enthusiasts were also doing a show on Facebook and they were talking about JDM car values. So, you know, I just listened to them and I was just laughing and thinking how... They, they got it right because they are car enthusiasts. They said, you know, not every Japanese car is a JDM. So I just enlarged my story to include a few of those facts. But the most important thing is this. What's a JDM car? Japan Domestic Market, JDM. So that means this car was built in Japan, designed in Japan only for the Japanese market. Now, for example, Honda. I would say that's a very good example because Honda has a plant in UK for many years. Mm -hmm. Okay, a lot of other car companies also have plants in UK, but I'm, I'm coming to the Honda one because why? The Civic Type R was designed in UK for the European market, the hatchback. So yep. I put that in the picture in my article. That hatchback is not sold in, in, in Japan. Or Malaysia, in fact. Uh, it, it never sold in Malaysia, but you do have maybe a handful of units that were brought in by grey importers. So mm -hmm. this is not a GDM car, you know? Yeah. Okay, so the same thing. Even in Australia and New Zealand, you know, they've gone JDM crazy, but they sort of have the strict rules. So that is one, one example I, I wanted to put down. And then also like, you know, the Honda Type R, the Accord Type R. Mm -hmm. And then the Accord Euro R. Now the Euro R is a sedan, six-speed manual, very fast, very entertaining, but it never came to Malaysia. But Singapore had so many of these cars, you know? Mm. And then a few grey imports came in. Now these are JDM cars. These are these are really interesting unusual cars then okay so you say okay maybe you know i'm, I'm not i don't talk so much about very new jdm cars let's talk a little bit about slightly older jdm cars okay so you can even go as far back as a, as a nissan 160j triple s you know yeah that's a jdm car it was built in japan it brought it came over to malaysia it wasn't local assembled in malaysia you know being assembled in malaysia immediately are no longer jdm 
And the other thing you must also understand, JDM cars, for the longest time, there was this myth that they were slightly more powerful than what you get elsewhere. You know, the tuning, like the early Civic SI, or, you know, the, the VTEX, the SIRs, and all that. And then like Toyota, you know, the Silly cars, the, the ST, the TA22, you know, all this all this classic Japanese car, the Silica Supra, the 2-liter, and then the 2.8, you know? This was the time when, uh, I think, the gentleman's agree- agreement, where all cars must have a maximum horsepower of 276 horsepower. No speedometer will go above 180 kilometers an hour. You are right, you are right. That sort of thing. <laughs> so, you see, for example, um, Nissan Sunny 130Y, very popular car in Malaysia. But mm-hmm. that's not a JDM car. The first Honda City, the first ever Honda City, which came from Thailand, it was designed as an ASEAN car. That's not a JDM car. The Toyota Vios is not a JDM car, you know? Yep. A Mazda 323 Familia, that's a JDM car. A lot of people will be a little bit confused and then they'll say, why not? It's a Japanese car. It's uh, imported. But, you know, where was it imported from? Yep. Because there were factories around the world. And mm. even in Czech Republic and Poland, you know, there are all factories there building uh, Japanese cars. In, in Australia, at one time, Toyota had a big factory building uh, a big sedan. Mm-hmm. So, these are cars which you cannot consider JDM. So, this is when now we talk about pricing. So, when cars are known as JDM cars, and then also, you know, they're a little bit rare, that's when the prices start inching up. Like a Honda CRX, a Mazda RX-7, uh, a 3-litre Supra, the Honda S2000. These cars are reaching ridiculous levels. And these are true JDM cars. So let me just understand this because I've been sat here for the past, what, five minutes? Listening no, seven and a half minutes. Okay. Seven and a half minutes. <laughs> JDM, 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 right? right. I, I mean, I, I get what they are. Don't uh, be jaded. Don't be jaded, eh? <laughs> I won't be jaded. Uh, so the reason that this is an important factor in what we're discussing, or rather you're, you're, you're talking to me about now, is the fact that if they are an official JDM uh, and they've been brought in by a great importer mm-hmm. and somebody has found one of these or right. intends to buy one of these, because it's JDM, it allows whoever is selling it to push up the price. Correct. Okay, that's enough for me. So it's, it's just, you know, evaluating the, the, the value to a certain level. So for example... The Honda Civic Type R, like we mentioned, the first car, the yeah. one that comes from, from England, which is built in England, and the one that comes from Japan, which is a different design. Yeah. The Japanese one has got more value than the one from UK. Not to say that the UK one is bad, but you know, that whole this whole JDM revival culture, enthusiasm and all that is revolving around Japanese cars. What do you call modern classic Japanese cars also, you know? Perception is reality. Yes, and I think it's all because you know people can't go anywhere, they can't spend their holiday money, and they're thinking, okay la, let's start a, a JDM thing la, you know. <laughs> so for all of a sudden, cars that were last time neglected have been buffed up, cleaned up, serviced, and now oh, my car is valuable. You pay me more money, you know. Got it, got it, got it, got it. It's it's like why suddenly American car enthusiasts are suddenly interested in that old Honda Civic that they used to drive in college. Exactly. That was rusted out. Suddenly they want to look for one that's totally in, in mint condition and yes. enjoy it for the rest of their lives. It's Correct. kind of bizarre. And you know what's happening? I mean, I'm sorry, but it doesn't apply to the show, but it's also happening with motorcycles. It's very specialized motorcycles, Suzuki, Kawasaki, Yamaha, which are actually going up in value. These are like retro bikes. They could be scramblers, they could be, you know, cruisers, whatever, but their values are slowly inching up. And suddenly, people who, you know, like I said, left them idle for years are waking up to all this. And Facebook is informing a lot of people that, hey, that, that so-called junk you got in your house is worth a bit of money now. Do something about it, you know? Okay, shall we take a short break? Yes, we should. Uh, Folks, we are going to take a short break. Uh, And when we come back, we've got a car review. Oh, 
again. Uh, the 2021 Hyundai Kona 2.0 SmartStream facelift. Yep. You're tuned into Cruise Control here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Because freedom matters. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome to Cruise Control, or welcome back to Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm on the phone lines with Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hello, and good evening, everybody. And that man with the news, Mr. Ari Fruits. Hello, everybody. Uh, if you're only just joining us, you've missed uh, some news. We had uh, a little piece of news about rules are being relaxed in some places, uh, roadblocks in some places, and now we've got a car review of a car that I believe we reviewed just a couple of times, uh, but this one's ever slightly different. Okay, so this is, yes, this is our third Hyundai Kona review for 2021. <laughs> and you know why? You know why? Because, because when the Kona first arrived, it was already three years late to Malaysia. Okay? Uh. The first model that came was already three years late. Globally launched in nineteen, uh, sorry, two thousand and seven. Because of lockdown, we couldn't get the car. Then early twenty twenty one, when the doors opened a little bit, we got the car. We quickly test drove it. And then what happened is there was a mild facelift. Then we test drove the facelift. And then suddenly now they came up with what they they still call it a facelift, but it's more like an engine change. And they've added a lot of safety features. So this is the third version of the Hyundai Kona. I mean, you guys are looking at the pictures. What do you think? Fantastic. Yeah, I like the look of it. If you put it side by side with the first model we, we test drove, it's actually the same shape. Yeah. It's the same shape. But what they did was they played around with the lights, they played around with the bumper, they played around with the lights on the bumper, the front lip, the rims, the cladding, the rear, the lights. So what they did was they listened and watched what Porsche has been doing for years with the 911, you know, how they just, you know, tweak, 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 tweak every model. And they said, hey, we can do the same line. You know, we, we don't have to spend so much money on tooling. So they did that and they got this new Kona. But because it's it's very subtle changes and that beautiful color. You know what that blue color is called? Surfy blue. S-U-R-F-Y. Surfy blue. Not Smurfy blue. It should have been Smurfy blue. <laughs> ah, I was waiting for that. So it's a good looking vehicle. And if you take out the badges, mm. you can put an Audi badge on it, you know, because Audi so has a lot of curves. Mm. You can put a, I don't know, you can put some American brand badge on it. Nobody will know the difference, you know. That is how universal Hyundai has gone with this with this design. And because of that, the Kona has won a lot of awards. The IF Design Award, Red Dot Award, and the Idea Design Award. So that's great. So all these awards are European awards. So if you get a lot of European awards, that means... You have been put side by side with European competitors. I know in this part of the world, the Kona only competes with Japanese, right? Uh. Yep. But logically, if you look at it on its price point and, and features in Europe, it goes against things like the Citroen C3 Aircross, the new Peugeot 2008, the Renault Captur, which looks very much like it, and also a base BMW, a base Mercedes, and a base Volvo. Because why? The price range is very close. Mm -hmm. But of course, those base models which I mentioned, are not sold here. So Mercedes, BMW, Audi, and Volvo put up their premium value, you know? Yep. So let's put all that aside. Let's get into the vehicle. So first of all, Hyundai Malaysia has brought this car in with 
the new 2-litre smart stream engine. Don't ask anything about smart stream. It's just a technology name. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, I was talking to someone and said, oh, you know, is, is it like a flowing stream? Is it smart technology? You know, listen, it's a name, okay? They've got their reasons for it. Let's not get into it. The most important thing is, it's a 2-litre engine, 149 brake horsepower, which is decent power, 180 newton meters. And, you know, this vehicle does about 8 seconds, lah, 0 to 100. It's not very fast. But, when you get into the car and when you start driving, you realize how well-built, well-insulated and, you know, the chassis is just so tight. So, it feels like almost, almost like a hot hatch with not enough power. Oh. And that's why Hyundai have got this extension to the brand called N-Line. N as in alphabet N and then L-I-N-E. Now, N-Line is their version of BMW M, Mercedes AMG or the S-Line, you know. It's, it's their performance division. Now, N also means car has been gone up, you know, one notch or two notches or three notches or four notches. So, they've got an N-line version of this Kona. And I have not test driven it yet, but it's for sale in Malaysia. That is where the chassis and the real rigidity of the body is further enjoyed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, one vehicle, so many variants for so many price brackets. So, feature-wise, they've got a bigger screen, bigger cockpit. And now, they've got electronic handbrake. They've upgraded the interior with this white leather with, you know, piping on it. I'm, I'm sure you've seen pictures of the interior. It's quite snazzy. It gives the car an impression of being more spacious than it really is, you know? White interior in Malaysia for Malaysians. That's quite risky for a brand. The thing is, you see, many years ago, a lot of Japanese brands used to bring in this light beige interior. Then it didn't work out because why? It was it was easy to get dirty, you know? Yeah. It was easy to get marked. But over the years, a lot of detailing shops have opened and the car manufacturers have realized that they have to give business to these detailing shops. So they get customers to buy these white interiors <laughs> and then every so often go to these detailing shops and spend a few hundred ringgit and make sure the economy revolves, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I like the white interior. The, the seats, they look really nice. Yeah, and, and the thing is, you know, the moment when you get into a white interior like this, it adds to that sense of spaciousness. I know I know, it's just colour, but it just feels so much bigger. I was going to mention that exactly, yeah. Yes, and then at night, if I'm driving this car at night, people can see me. <laughs> you know? Because the contrast, you know, you know what I mean or not? No comment. <laughs> what about me then? Well, you know... A white shadow in, in the corner of their eye. Right, that's right. Yeah, but anyway, it, it's a nice-looking interior. It's not... Um, I would say, um, in your face, you know? Because you know why? They should have done some contrasting colours on the dash. You see, Mm. the dash is grey on grey. They did it on the door panel, they did it on the seats, but they didn't do it on the dash. That's the only thing I think they missed out on in terms of, you know, creativity. Um, Didn't the previous corners we reviewed have like these coloured panels? Exactly. So they completely removed all of that? Exactly. So... I think they've only got it for maybe the higher spec versions or maybe they decided not to do it. But these cars are all fully imported. In in Malaysia now, Hyundais are all fully imported, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I sort of missed that little that little feature, you know, which they had. Um, so yeah, so we took it out for a test drive. It's a nice car to drive. But a lot of people are going to disagree with me with this. But there is way too many safety features on this car. <laughs> what do you mean? How is that a bad thing? Okay, you know, having a lot of airbags is fine. But, you know, there's beeping here, beeping there, beeping. It's, it's like a Volvo, you know. It's got everything a Volvo has and then some. And I tell you what's the sum. Imagine now you, you park your car in, in, along a side street, okay. Mm. And uh, you open your door and suddenly there's a motorcycle coming or a, or a car coming or even a bicycle, you know. 
immediately mm. the dashboard will start beeping and to warn you that there's something on your right side, you know? Ah. Yeah. Now, generally people should be looking at their side view mirror or looking back to make sure there's nothing before you open a door. I can understand the safety feature. Uh, but if you have, say, three cars in the house and unfortunately you can only afford one Hyundai Kona, the other two are normal cars, you know, cheaper cars or whatever, and they don't have this feature. After driving the Kona for a few days, which is what happened to me, I got so used to this feature, I never bothered looking. I'll wait for it to beep, you know? Mm. Then I got into my old cheapo car <laughs> and I opened the door and I didn't even look. Luckily, nothing was coming. But then I realized, hey, I'm not driving a Kona. I need to have that safety feature fitted, you know? <laughs> so these are little things that, you know, if it's your only car in the house and then you get used to it, fine. I know I'm, I'm griping about this, but sometimes a little bit too much technology takes away a little bit of common sense. Agreed. Yeah, and it's got all kinds of other features. I mean, it's all in the article. It's just too many to mention. But they've got it fully loaded and it all works because we tried most of it. Like, for example, if you come to a traffic light and there's a car in front of you and then there's a traffic light or maybe three cars or whatever, it can be a car, a motorcycle or a bicycle, okay? Any object in front of you waiting for you. Light changes green and you are on your handphone messaging your wife and girlfriend and saying, please don't bug me, I'm driving, you know? So you're not looking up. And then you know what happens? Because the vehicle or the object in front of you has moved on, the car will tell you, ting, ting, time to go. Oh, that's annoying. It is annoying, but it's also a very good safety feature because now you're not holding up traffic, you're alerted and, and it's like telling you, hey, put down your handphone, now. stop doing this, you know? Yeah. So, again, you know, you get so used to it and then you start thinking, okay, now I can use my handphone because why? I got this feature to help me out, you know? <laughs> and then suddenly you get into your old car and then, I <laughs> Yeah. People at the back are honking and you think, why are they honking? Then you see in front, hey, oh, the flood left already five minutes ago, you know? That's a good point. But BMW, for example, they have a center button where you can just press and hold and it turns off literally everything. Does this car have something like that? Okay, you can turn off some of the functions, but not all. Because why? They really, really want to keep you safe. And you know, this is all standards that are being put in by global bodies. Mm. So mm. car manufacturers are moving the game up. That is why they always try and tell you, hey, listen, sell your old car, buy a new car. But they don't understand. We all don't have expert salary. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so we have to keep our old car. So having all these safety features is great. But I think sooner or later, we have to accept it. Like, but for now, I'm just... Ah, yeah. <laughs> not ready. Like. Just not ready. Like. It's too technical for you. Too much tech. Too much, too much. I cannot absorb it too much. I'm an old man. Too much, too much. Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, we test drove it. We sent it back. Very impressive. Very happy with it. And the price. At 130-odd thousand ringgit. Okay, now with the SSC discount. At 130-odd thousand ringgit. This is priced so close to the Mazda CX-3, the Subaru XV GT Edition, uh, the Toyota CHR, the Mazda, uh, even the Mazda CX-30. And very importantly, the high-spec, Proton X50, okay? So, if you're waiting for the X50, this is what I'm going to say. If you're waiting for the X50, the waiting list is almost eight, nine months. Why don't you pay a little bit more and get a Kona? Ooh. Yep. It makes sense because why? Why do you want to wait eight, nine months? Mm. I do believe that was a conclusion we came upon in our January review as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And you know, this is a fully imported car. And you like driving it, Odanya, despite the, the additional safety features and the fact that you thought it was a little bit underpowered. The drive experience was enjoyable, was The it? drive experience was enjoyable. You know, like I said, if you take away the badge, for example, Hyundai has got a luxury division called Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I put a Genesis badge on this and put the price up to 180000 no one will blink about paying for it. Right. Because it yep. can carry the Genesis badge. It's well built, it's luxurious, it's got all the safety features like I mentioned, and it looks good. But because it's carrying a Hyundai badge, and in Malaysia, that Hyundai badge doesn't have the brand image of a European vehicle, that is why 
it's not being seen on the road as, as often as we want it to be. Yeah. yeah. But if I was a rich man, okay, if I were a rich man, I wanted to make sure that my, my kids have a you know a safe car when they when they get their license and all. This is the car kind of car I'll buy for them. Because why? I know no brainer. It's a crossover. It's got tons of safety features, good warranty, good backup service. This is what I'll have them driving instead of paying double the price and buying something European. Good news, Daniel Sun. Mm, but it's not happening, eh? <laughs> you heard it here first. Yes. You heard the last part. It's not happening. <laughs> okay, should we take a break, gents? Yes. Okay, we're going to take another short break here, folks. But of course, it is a show in uh, three parts. And when we come back, uh, looking at some of the highlights, of course, uh, from the uh, International Motor Show over in Germany. Uh, this is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. Bombing frustrated minds. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. As usual, I'm joined by my friends, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ari Fruz. He's that man with the news. Hello, fellas. Hello. Good evening, everybody. Now then, uh, we've had some news, um, we've had some reviews, now let's have some highlights from uh, that motor show that's happening over in Munich. Mm. Yes, so this is essentially the German motor show, but they've rebranded it as IAA Mobility. Because normally it's in Frankfurt. Oh yeah, that's very true. Yeah, so they moved it from Frankfurt to Munich. Currently ongoing, today is the 8th of September, it's been going on since uh, today's Wednesday, so yesterday, all the way until next week, the 12th September. So this is kind of the highlights reel of the first part of the IAA, because we expect more details to sort of filter out throughout next week. So there'll be some stuff here, some stuff next week, maybe. The theme of IAA is what will move us next, and it's kind of, Richard, you know E3? where all of those uh, uh, electronics brands show off what they're going to do in the next five years or so. I do. Um, but for mobility, not cars, mobility. And we'll go into the different selections of mobility you might have in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Quite interesting stuff. So essentially, everybody's showing off their latest products, ideas and visions for the future. It's kind of an insight, I guess, uh, to where Germany, Europe, and by extension, the mobility industry is headed in the next 10, 20 years. It's not only German cars. A couple of Chinese manufacturers have made their appearances as they drive into Europe with our cars as well. Um, so don't be surprised if you take a flight to Europe in five years' time and see a bunch of non-European-looking cars over there. In fact, these two Chinese makes have already made a lot of headway in Norway, where almost everybody drives an electric car. These two brands are run by Great Wall Moto. One of them is called Way. We have talked about Way before. They've released this VV7 GT, which is a muscular plug-in SUV, which has been tuned by Mercedes tuners Brabus, and it has 150 kilometers of electric range and looks super aggressive. So it does look a bit mean. Pretty cool looking car, right? It is, but you know, let me just add this: like every Frankfurt Motor Show I've been to in the last 20 odd years has excited me, has kept me going. You know, I end up losing weight because running from hall to hall, <laughs> checking out the cars, taking pictures. I'm missing the show, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm missing the show, but I'm not missing it. You get what I mean or not? Because looking at the pictures, everything looks so boring. La. 
Well, that's the thing, right? All of these new cars that we're going to talk about kind of... Bland. They all look bland. But they all kind of function slightly differently. Or they're targeted to slightly different people. True, true. So this other Chinese make, which we also were quite impressed about when we first saw it, is called the Aura Cat Zero One. And it's kind of mm. a friendly, cute-looking compact electric car. Kind of a cross between, I guess, a Beetle and a Mini as well. Yeah. Weren't these the guys that made the, the Black Cat as well? Exactly. Same. Same company. Yeah, yeah. A whole range of those Aura cars will be coming onto Europe by 2025. So they're going to do a huge push there. But obviously, German Motor Show, we've got to focus on some German cars. The first one is called the Volkswagen ID Life concept. And what this is, is what's that raised version of the Volkswagen Polo called? The, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. Basically, it's a small crossover SUV thing. Right, right, right. This is essentially the uh, electric version of that. It's apparently going to be the ID1 or the ID2. It's tiny, has a boxy body, and the top half, it reminds me of the original Golf, which is really, really nice. The problem is the whole exterior, it seems like the lights of the car shines through the body. So that's going to mm. be quite weird. And it looks like they've presented the car when it's already been dirtied. Yeah, because of the paint finish. But you see, like the lights and all that, I think these are just concepts because mm. they want to go into reality. Mm, I, know, I don't think so. It looks like they're taking a, a, a leaf out of Tesla's book as well. Yes, yeah, yes, very true. They have also taken a leaf out of Tesla's book in terms of how many screens they have in the car, which mm. is just the one. It's not like a big iPad thing. It's about the size of, a, I don't know, a Samsung Galaxy or an iPhone. Which makes a lot of sense. Initially, when people saw the photos of this interior, they thought like, oh, you know, it's going to be able to connect to your phone and you're going to be able to stick it there and you'll have no screens but that phone telling you everything. But the thing is, it looks like it shows all of the car's details, the climate control, the speed, navigation and everything. So it could be, you know, an integrated smartphone deal of some sort where you carry around. Yeah, so you take it with you, you know, and then maybe it's for car sharing also. Pretty cool idea, right? Yes. Smart idea, yeah. Um, the problem is this car has no buttons. So everything's still touchscreen. Everything is, uh, I guess, voice activated. So that's where the future is. Zero buttons. Mm. Also because, you know, the previous Volkswagen had the sticky buttons. So they thought, you know, just remove them. <laughs> Speaking from experience there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> also from the Volkswagen group, we have this thing called the Porsche Mission R. And it looks really, really racy. Yep. This is a good looking car. And what it is, is an all electric cup car. Cup car as in racing car, basically. Right. And according to Porsche, the Mission R provides an indication of what the future of, you know, one make series with all electric cars could look like. It's kind of Cayman size, stripped out, has these huge big wings and aerodynamics as well. But apparently, this smaller car will be as fast as the 911 GT3 Cup. Mm. As usual with electric cars, two electric motors, 671 horsepower in race mode. You can step it up to 1080 horsepower in qualifying mode. What? 1080 horsepower, that's probably for two or three laps running in qualifying. Because then the battery will finish. Yep. Yeah. Done. Speaking of batteries, they did some innovation. Remember, we were talking about the 800 volt architecture in the Porsche Taycan. Right. Mm. Recently, a few other manufacturers picked up on the 800 volt technology as well. You know, actually, Porsche is going one further 100 volts more, 900 volts. 80 kilowatt hour battery, about 5 to 80% uh, charge in just 15 minutes with their superchargers. So that's really, really good. No idea how far they will go on the range, but... I see, that was going to be my next question. It's okay doing fast, but how far can it go? Mm. Formula E cars, they run about 45 minutes at full speed on a 54 kilowatt hour battery. This is 80 kilowatts. 
so I guess more than 45 minutes, maybe an hour. <laughs> 90 minutes, maybe? Maybe, yeah. Um, so it's a really fast car. It's really cool. I think it kind of like embodies those new electric go-karts, but for professional racers, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. I hope it goes into production as a petrol version. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wrong mission. Because it's a good-looking car. It is, it is. Yep. Some people say it might have a few design cues that will be seen in the new Cayman. Mm. I love the interior of this. Yeah? Super yeah. stripped out. That's what I mean. Yeah, super stripped out. Skeletal almost. Apparently, they took some design inspiration from those sim racing rigs. Ah, uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, quite interesting stuff. Okay. I think the biggest story uh, from the IAA was Mercedes-Benz because they made a huge electric mobility statement. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Mercedes saying that they will be ready to go fully electric by the end of the decade, dot, dot, dot wherever market conditions permit. Correct. This is basically a showcase of how they're going to achieve that. So the plan to them is going to be to create an electric version of all of their ICE model lineups, like EQA, EQB, EQC, EQE. And the EQE has been launched. It's the car that they hope all sort of cosmopolitan business type people will get into because it's a sporty business saloon. And it looks the part. It looks really nice. It doesn't look like an electric car. And that's, that's great news, you know? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, like Daniel says, to echo what he says, it looks like a normal car, not an electric car. It doesn't look concepty. It's about the same size as, as a CLS. And even though it is sort of like an E-Class, the electric version of an E-Class, you get more space inside the interior, 80 millimeters longer and 30 millimeters wider, which makes more uh, of a difference than the numbers suggest in millimeters. <laughs> but it is bigger than the E-Class. That's what you should know. The best part about this, I think, is that Mercedes says it will have a 90 kilowatt hour battery, 600 160 kilometers of range and only and i use that in bold and in quotes only 288 horsepower as a base model which suggests the fact that car makers are beginning to realize that horsepower isn't everything anymore and that's positive well you know if 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 you think about it how fast can you go yeah even the zero to hundred acceleration of electric cars, you know, they keep they keep selling all these figures of three seconds, two seconds, two point five. We've talked about this before. So what? It's going to be one second next. It's going to be one point one second, zero point eight seconds. I mean, come on, it doesn't make sense. I mean, five seconds is already pretty darn fast. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Anything below that, you're just snapping your neck back for no reason. You know. But obviously, there is still a case for that and for those type of people because Mercedes AMG. The people who make those big Brutus V8s and V12s, they have revealed the first ever electric performance sedans in the EQS, the big daddy of all EQ luxury cars, and it's the EQS 53. Um, 658 horsepower, 950 newton meters of torque, which is nearly irrelevant. It's more than enough, but I brought this car up mainly because you see the two pictures. I've put on the left the EQE and on the right the EQS with the AMG pack. They mm. look almost exactly the same to me yes yeah. i think that's a shame you know the e-class should be a bit more sporty they tried to do that but it just looks too much like the s-class there another really interesting car is the mercedes concept eqg that arnold schwarzenegger himself <laughs> asked the then daimler ag chairman to make and here is the result of it an electric g-wagon that still can go off-road it maintains the ladder chassis with a solid rear axle four-wheel drive one motor per wheel so maximum traction off-road whenever you want. I think it looks pretty good. It looks kind of Tonka Toy-ish, uh, which is good. I don't know. I'm, I'm not taken by it. No. <laughs> totally not taken by it. I mean, it's got the same basic design, you know? Yeah. The boxy design is there, you know, but 
it's just the finishing touches on it makes it look too bland. Like I said, you know, I'm not missing the show. You know, what what does our resident Bangsar folk think of this? I love it. <laughs> you love it. I love it. Of course, yeah. I love G Wagon anyway. You know, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I like the two tone kind of design of it. Yeah, very nice. Um, the rear spare wheel, which is normally fixed on the back of the car, now it's a kind of a cargo space, and it's not a spare wheel anymore. People say it's a place where you put your charging cable in. Oh. Oh, I see. It's a little small box. Oh, yeah. Oh. Something that's not a little small box, though, is the new Mercedes Maybach EQS concept. Ultra luxury electric mobility is the name of the game here. And if you've seen the Maybach GLS, that's already stupidly luxurious. This is the electric version. It's got massive grill, which is not exactly a grill. <laughs> Slim lights, two-tone paint, classic Maybach-style dished wheels. It's hugely imposing. It's also very Gucci because it's got white executive seats, white gold trims everywhere, champagne flutes, and just to you know exemplify that uh, lounge feel, luxurious feeling, a plant. How can you get in? It plays either Jay Z or Beyonce. Probably, yeah. It's a car made for them. I mean, it, it's a great looking thing. It's a beautiful. It's it's a showpiece, all right. It's it's nothing more than oh look at me. Yep, yep. The thing I'm really fixated on is the plant, though, because this next car we're talking about also has a plant in it, and it feels like the plant is becoming a symbol of luxury. Oh. <laughs> no, green, green. They're talking about green, being green. The car that we're going to talk about, obviously, is the Audi Grand Sphere concept, and it looks fantastic, uh, if not a bit too much like a fish. What? Where have you been fishing? It looks like one of those Finding Nemo characters. He's been fishing in those ponds on the golf course, Daniel. Ah, I see, I see, I see. I see, I see. <laughs> yes. We don't go to the golf course, so we don't know what kind of fish. <laughs> but it does look like some sort of, okay, maybe not a fish, a salamander. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll see. accept that also. Yeah, yeah. Five meters long, I think it's a beautiful shaped car. And it's apparently an insight to what the new electric A8 will be like. Hmm. Audi calls it a private jet for the road, which really, I think, is an accurate way of calling any big Audi at all, really. Uh, They also say it combines the luxury of private travel in the greatest comfort with a comprehensive onboard experience. And what they mean by this is that the car is level 4 autonomous, and if you turn it on into level 4 autonomous, uh, the steering wheel, the pedal, all the displays will disappear, and you sort of turn the car into a lounge. And again, it exemplifies that feeling with... (laughs) wood-looking inlays that wraps around the car's interior, navigation that's sort of like projected onto the wood inlay so there's no screens. You get some lounge-like front seats and a rear bench seat that looks really nice. And, of course, the plant, which... Plant. I don't know. I'm so confused about plants. So my question is, how many computer chips go into this car? (laughs) Now you can't even get one chip. I think this guy's got maybe eight or ten. I have an interview with Intel coming up over the next couple of weeks, so uh, stay tuned for that. Okay, when you when you meet them, Richard, can you ask them how to open a factory here? You know, we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's my first question. Yes. The next car that I guess sort of represents the future, according to BMW, is called the iVision Circular. And if you remember quite a long time ago, I think they showcased their BMW Vision next 100 years. And it seems every single motor show they've been to has been a different exercise in what they think the journey to the next 100 years will look like. Mm. And this iVision Circular, it looks 
Uh, Go on, say it. Say it. Say it. Give us your honest this, opinion. This is something that should be on Moonbase Alpha. <laughs> yes, pretty much. That's a, a great way to put it, Daniel. That I'm not going to say anything further about it. In terms of design, I mean, you, you, you struggle to call it a car these days because it doesn't look like a car. It looks more like a, a device you traverse the moon mm. with, really. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I know they're only artists' impressions, but I, I like the way it looks. Really? Yeah, I do. But it's it's not a car. It, it's something in between. It's a mobility device, right? Yeah. You sit in it and you have a little chat with your friends on the way to the movies and mm. something like that. But the interesting part about this design is that the big grill has gotten bigger. It has. Yeah. It takes up half the bumper of the car, but I'm not too, uh, you know, I'm not too fussed about it because BMW, you know, in the olden days, they had the vertical grills which represented the kidney grills and then the lights the circular lights that was inside a grill as well and they've done this sort of thing in here which i'm not too angry about so i think it looks good a uh, few details about this car 100 recyclable all the interior panels are made from a recyclable material if you own a bmw i car you'll know that material it's like a plant fiber sort of thing that i think they picked out from a eucalyptus tree or something like that which is true very genuinely true they did write that in the press release all those years ago there are no screens anywhere in this car except for this kind of interactive jewelry thing that, I guess, pops out information at you. Like um, holographically. Yes. Mm-hmm. The car itself is unpainted. The color you see, which is kind of a gold with a bluish thing at the back, is just anodized aluminum and heat-treated steel. And despite being 100% recyclable, there are no plants in here. <laughs> BMW did also release something super interesting, which I think both of you might like because it's an urban mini motorbike. It's called the CE02 and it's really, really cool. No, you're saying we like it because the flare had to carry the plant. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the picture, they show the guy carrying a plant. True. <laughs> Why is he carrying a plant? Because they have nowhere to put the plant. <laughs> In a car, what is going on? So to showcase this, they got a guy with a backpack and put a plant inside. There you go. But despite the plant, you know, it looks it looks kind of a sort of like those mini motorbikes, but um, scaled up. Exactly. You know, Japan used to have the small little bikes like this. You know, some bike shops here sell them. They look exactly like that, but it's fully electric. It makes sense. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a small mobility device. With big flat tires on it. Let me say this. Yeah. It's an electric BMX. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I think you'll see it in Malaysia very soon. Oh. You heard it here first. That's exactly, three. Exactly. I would love it if they brought it here because it looks like the perfect bike for riders who genuinely enjoy riding motorcycles around. Mm. Uh, it's got four small and square headlights just at the front. Nothing to do with DRLs and all of these fancy things. It's just square headlights. And the indicators of the motorbike is on the handles. So it looks like one of those bells on your old bicycle, mm. which is nice. Ding, ding. Apparently, it'll have 90 kilometers of range too. If I could afford one, I'd have one of these. Easy to get to work, easy That's to park, right. yeah. you know, cheap to run. You know, straight out of the grocery store. When I want to yep. pick up my plant, <laughs> yep. <laughs> because they give you the backpack. Uh, if you can also spot, there's a skateboard on it. Mm. But uh, speaking of BMW, here's a car that I think you might like, Richard, because you know it, it kind of exemplifies the cosmopolitan attitude that you have. Because it, it's a bubble car, Arif. It's stylish. Bubbles are. I remember I, I natural. Things. I remember these from the original iteration back in Europe, whenever that was. The, the 50s, Italian, yes. The fifties and the sixties when they sixties, right? Um, yeah, I remember seeing these things uh, dotted about. Not so many as I got older. I thought they were interesting. Would I own and drive one? I don't know. The th- the thing with this car, uh, I think Richard will understand what I'm saying. This car will not sell in UK at all. No. 
anybody driving this car in UK is going to be bullied by a mini driver. <laughs> they would be teased to death. Because, if you remember correctly, the Reliant Robin three-wheeler. Oh, my word. Mr. Yes. Bean used to bully it <laughs> yes. with his mini. They're all going to relive that. My uncle had one of those Reliant Robins. I remember him buying it. I think he had it for a week before he sold it. Did he do it just to irritate you? <laughs> Maybe he might have done. But let me correct you guys, because this is not actually a three-wheeler. It looks like a three-wheeler. Oh, okay. But from all the angles of the photos, it's made to look like that. It's actually got two small motorcycle-sized wheels. At the back. At the back. Oh, okay. So it's actually a four-wheeler. Microlino is what it's called. Um, it's a Swiss company. Uh, despite Microlino saying that this is not a car... It is clearly a car because it has four wheels and passenger space for exactly. two. If it was three wheelers, it might not have been a car. But yeah, like Daniel said, you know, it's a car that you can only imagine in the small streets of maybe Italy or France, right? Yes. Or PJ Old Town. Not Britain. 25 horsepower motor, 90 kilometers an hour top speed is perfect just to, you know, go down and go up, go out and buy a baguette or a bottle of wine or something like that. Pretty cool. 12,500 euros is what it will cost. Which is what in ringgit? 61,000 ringgit, 61,500 ringgit. For a price of my view, you can buy an electric Microlino. Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of this show, unfortunately, uh, for this week anyway. Uh, of course, it was a show in three parts. We had some uh, news about rules being relaxed, a uh, bit of a pit stop, uh, telling you that not all Japanese cars are JDMs, right, Daniel? Yep. How many times did we say JDM in that one segment? 72. I thought that. Uh, and then, of course, we had a car review. It was the 2021 version of the Hyundai Kona 2.0 Smart Stream facelift. Wrapping up, of course, with highlights from the IAA 2021. My name is Rich Bradbury on behalf of Ari Frews and, of course, Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my. This has been Cruise Control. If you missed any part of this show, do check us out over on BFM.my where you can listen back to the show or download the podcast. We recommend the BFM app. It's available at the Apple App Store or Google Play. For BFM, 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.